Now, we're going to do something I'm excited about uh, this week, and man, I just want to let you know I appreciate the prayers, and I uh, appreciate you folks who have just let us know that you've been praying for us. We're excited about what the Lord's going to do this week, and I really believe that uh, He wants to speak to us, and He wants to challenge our hearts, and He wants to meet with us in a great and mighty way. But you know who gets in the way of the Lord meeting with me? Me. I do. And uh, so I just pray that you would just come uh, to these services, as Brother Marshall mentioned, and just, just plan on being at every service, because if you're not here, God's not going to speak to you uh, during the preaching. It's just not going to happen. And so I, I've been prayed up and, and, and studying up and just asking the Lord to have His hand upon us, and really believe I have the messages that God wants us to look at this week. We're going to be going through the tabernacle this week, and uh, I, I'm excited about that, and might think, oh man, live, that's, that's uh, interesting information for a revival. Boy, I just tell you what, I th- really think the Lord has His hand on this, going to show us how we can meet with Him in a proper way. How, how many of you really want the Lord to meet with you? I mean, I, that, that should be the goal of every born-again believer known to man is, is having God meet with us. That's my goal in life. I want to meet with God, and I want to have a right relationship with Him. And if I'm going to have a right relationship with Him, then I'm going to have to come to Him in the manner that He has prescribed. I'm going to have to, go, I'm going to, have to do what He asked me to do and, and, and be led by Him. And Lord willing, that's what we're going to look at this week, uh, starting here in in the next hour. But in Sunday school, I want you to turn your Bibles to Exodus chapter 27. Exodus chapter 27, and I want to I want to look at verse 9. Exodus chapter 27. And uh, actually 24. Exodus chapter 24. I was like, that doesn't look right. Exodus chapter 24, and I want to look in verse 1. Exodus chapter 24, I know this is Sunday school, but if you wouldn't mind standing with me as as we read, Exodus chapter 24 and verse 1, if you're able, I want to just talk about our obligation and the commitment that we have to the Lord, and uh, in our passage here this morning, Exodus chapter 24 and verse 1, the Bible says, he said unto Moses, come up unto the Lord, thou and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and seventy of the elders of Israel, and worship ye afar off. And Moses alone shall come near the Lord, but they shall not come nigh, neither shall the people go up with him. And Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the judgments, and all the people answered with one voice and said, All the words which the Lord has said will we do. Verse 4, And Moses wrote all the words of the Lord and rose up early in the morning and built an altar under the hill and the twelve pillars according to the twelve tribes of Israel. And he sent young men of the children of Israel, which offered burnt offerings, and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen unto the Lord. And Moses took half of the blood and put it in basins, and half of the blood he sprinkled on the altar. And he took the book of the covenant and read in the audience of the people, and they said, All that the Lord has said will we do, and be obedient. And Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people, and said, Behold the blood of the covenant which the Lord hath made with you concerning all these words. Verse 9 And then went up Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and seventy of the elders of Israel. And they saw the God of Israel, and there was under his feet, as it were, a paved work of sapphire stone, and as it were, the body of heaven in his clearness. And upon the nobles of the children of Israel, he laid not his hand, look at this, it says, also they saw God and did eat and drink. Lord in heaven, we do ask that you would have your time, hand upon us during this Sunday school hour, just help us to learn about your word and, and apply it to our lives And again, we're just excited, uh, Father, to be in your house. And I just lift you up, and I want to give you the praise and the glory that you deserve. And Father, my prayer is this week is that you would just speak to our hearts and challenge us and meet with us. Lord, we're 
the folks here this morning, myself included, we all have things in our life that I know that you want to deal with and that you want to work on. And, and Father, we have to have a, have a commitment or an obligation in our heart and in our minds that we're willing to allow you uh, to move among us and, and challenge us. And then we have to be willing to respond. And so, Lord, I just ask that you would uh, bless this time together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, so, it's been a while, so I like to tell corny jokes from time to time, so I'm, I'm thinking, Brother Marshall, in 2009, you probably don't remember some of the corny jokes from 2009, amen? So that'd be a fair to say? So I'll have to think about that this week and uh, come up with some or reuse some that you might have not remembered. Uh, and so, but anyway, I want to, I wanna, uh, the purpose, again, that we have this morning and this week is to meet with God, and, uh, and throughout the ages, He has... Uh, established ways for us to meet with Him. But our responsibility, when God establishes ways to meet with us, our responsibility is to respond to that. And, 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 when, he, and when He speaks to us through the Sunday school hour or through the, the preaching of God's Word or through our daily Bible reading, and Lord willing, everyone in here is having a, a daily time of Bible reading and prayer time. I, mean, I don't know how you're going to get direction from the Lord if you're not reading your Bible and spending time in prayer. And God wants to speak to us, but we have an obligation when He speaks to us to respond accordingly. Now, I have a question for you this morning, but I don't want you to answer it. You know, don't, don't raise your hand. Uh, but my question is, have you ever been served papers? And uh, some of the young people are like, served papers? Yeah, what, in school? No, you older folks know what I'm talking about. Have you, have you ever been served papers? And meaning, have you ever been served a, a subpoena to appear in court? You know, that's why I'm saying don't, don't raise your hand, because I really don't want to know. But maybe you've been served a, a subpoena in a court. I never have, but I've seen it happen on TV many times. You know, I've been watching, you know, a matlock and stuff like that. But one of the things, one of the things that seems clear is that, that once a person has served papers, they're committed to appear. I mean, once you have those papers in your hand, is that just old school stuff or they still do that to this day? Does anyone know? <laughs> Brother Mark's like, oh yeah, I got some yesterday. And uh, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. I'm just teasing on his birthday. And so no, the, but once you've served papers, if I'm not mistaken, you have to appear or you'll be held in contempt of court and most likely fail jail, uh, uh, find jail time if, if you persist in, in not coming. On TV, I remember, man, I remember there's been many ways in which papers have been served, you know, and I don't know if they still do that today, you know, they disguise themselves as a pizza delivery driver, you know, pizza, I didn't order pizza, you know, a free pizza, and, and then they hand the papers, and once you get served those papers, I mean, that's it. Once you're served, you're, you're held accountable and responsible for the court date, you have to show up because you have been served. Well, as we look at our text this morning, we find a great passage of Scripture that, that, that's really the closing of the law of Israel, and, and somewhat similar to my illustration of being served papers, once Israel was served with the law of God, they're held responsible. I mean, now they're going to be held accountable to what God has told them on the mount. And, and once Israel has heard the law of God and heard the word of God, they's, they're going to affirm their willingness to follow it and then become obligated to commit their ways unto the Lord. God is going to take this thing serious. I mean, Israel, you know, I went through the book of Exodus a while back and and, and, and and I just don't know that they fully comprehended exactly what was going on with what God wanted to do in their life. I, I mean, God served them this law, and he gave them his words, and he expected them to follow it. And let me just say, folks, God has given us his holy word today, and he expects us to follow it. I mean, he, we're, we're held accountable, and we need, we're under obligation. We have been served the word of God, and God says, listen, this is what I want you to do, and if you're going to meet with me, if you're going to have joy and happiness in your life, I'm telling you what, you're going to have to follow the revealed Word of God. 
Let me tell you what, I, I love having a good time. I love the marshals, man, and I love the times we get to spend together. I'm just kind of a goofball from time to time, and, and, and I like having a good time. But I'm just telling you what, I think Christians ought to have a good time. I mean, I, I don't, I, you know, there's Christians like, oh, you know, bless the Lord. You know, you're no fun. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we need to have, we need to have a great time. But you know what, how you're going to have a great time in, in life is if you serve the Lord and follow His Word and be obedient unto Him. If you're not having a good time in your life right now, perhaps you're not following God's word. Perhaps you're not being obedient or there's some sin in your life that needs to be taken care of. I'm telling you what, are you saying that if we follow God's word, we're never going to have any problems? No, that's not what I'm saying. The Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust. There's going to be difficulties and problems for everyone. But I'm just telling you what, when you serve the Lord, it's a whole lot easier to get through those difficulties. So Israel was given the law of God and and now they're going to be held responsible to, to commit to it. And the one thing we all have to realize in the world today is in this, in this world is that people by the millions own the Word of God. You know the Word of God is the most read book in the world? Uh, they, people by the millions own a copy, and many have read a passage here and there. Millions of others have heard the Word of God preached. They hear it on the radio. But one thing is missing in the reading and hearing of most of the people in this world, and that's their sense of obligation to God's Word. Their sense of their, their willingness to follow. You, you are obligated to find out how he wants to meet with you. You are obligated to find out what he wants to do in your life. It is not the pastor's responsibility for you to find out what God wants to do in your life. He's rightly dividing the word of truth. He's preaching the word of God. But you have a responsibility to pay attention to what God is doing in your heart. Man alive. As we look at this chapter, we see, the, we see this obligation worked out in, in a certain progression here. We find Moses still upon the mount in the presence of God. And now God was ready to, uh, for Moses to return to the people and lead them to ratify the law and, and to adopt it as the law of the land. And just before Moses left God's presence, God extends for him, just to get you in the context here, God extends to him a call to return after Moses is going to give the law to the people. But, but this call, this time, the call to come back and worship was extended to all of Israel. So he says, I want you to come back up and I want you to bring all of Israel, but you can't bring all of Israel Moses, so Moses is going to bring the leaders of Israel, the representatives of the people with him. So he says, I want you to bring a select group of people who are representative of the people to come back onto the mount. Namely, Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and the 70 elders or rulers of Israel. Now, even with this invitation, verse 2 shows us that there were still some limitations on who was actually going to go all the way up. And so only the mediator, Moses, could come into the direct presence of the Lord. Man, that's a whole other... A whole other message, a whole other issue, Moses is a mediator between God and the people. So, so true to form, Moses comes off the mountain, gives the people the law and the judgments. He gives them the law and the judgments. And that's what it's all about, the law, and you have to make judgments. And, and so here we find the wonderful affirmation of the people in their willingness to follow the Lord. They say, yeah, we're going to do it. Look, look there in verse 3. After hearing the law, the people said, look what they said in verse 3. All the words which the Lord has said, we will do. They said, we're in this. And, and, and in the, look at the end of verse 7. They said, all that the Lord hath said will we do and be obedient. I mean, they're like, yes, we love the Lord. We want to follow him. We're, we're all in this. So follow me on this here. The law was given, and the, and the people promised total commitment to the Lord. They said, yeah, we'll do everything that God says. And then the important part, the Lord's going to ratify the agreement with blood. Look in verse 5. In verse 5, uh, the Bible says, and he sent young men of the children of Israel, which offered burnt offerings and sacrificed 
uh, peace offerings of oxen unto the Lord. And Moses took half of the blood and put it in basins, and half of the blood he sprinkled on the altar. And he took the book of the covenant and read in the audience of the people. And they said, all that the Lord has said will we do and be obedient. And Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people and said, Behold the blood of the covenant which the Lord hath made with you concerning all these words. And then so let's continue this progression. Once the commitment was ratified with blood, then God is going to come and dwell among them. I mean, it's just an amazing thing. that he's going, to have, he's going to come and dwell among them after it's been ratified with blood. And listen, folks, he's going to have fellowship with them. He's going to have fellowship with his people, as we see in the remainder of the chapter. You see, there's always a certain order. Man alive, we want, we want God to do something great, you know, this week in revival services, and you've been praying for God to do something great, but there's, there's going to be an order in the way things have to transpire if you're going to meet with God and have your life changed. I mean, there's just certain things that are going to have to take place here, folks. We don't, we don't come and say, hey, I'm in, the, I'm, in, I'm in the auditorium. I came to church, you know, uh, here I am. And, and, and we just expect God to just do something miraculous and just boom and everything's perfect. No, listen, if you're going to meet with him, there's a progression that's going to have to take place. And that's, Lord willing, what we're going to look at this week. If you truly want to meet with God, I'm, your, I'm just saying you're going to have to come to him his way. We're going to have to stop trying to do it our way. We're going to have to stop trying to, you know, you know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting different results. That doesn't happen. As a child of God, if I want God to do something great in my life, I have to look and think, man, am I doing what God wants me to do? Is there perhaps some areas in my life that need to be changed? And so just think about this. They, they heard, they agreed, and he ratified it with blood. And then verse 11, they're invited to sweet fellowship with the Lord. Man, it's just amazing. God, God, listen, God took great steps in order for Israel to have fellowship with him. And it's no different for us today. He has taken great steps. In order for us to have fellowship with him, in order for us to meet with him, certain things have to fall into place, most of which has already been accomplished. I mean, he's already done the work, folks. He already has. He's already given us his word. And that word, Jesus Christ, became flesh and dwelled among us. He's already given his life as a sacrificial death on the cross whereby you and I can now receive the forgiveness of sins. You see, like Israel, like as with Israel, he's already planned, he's already mapped out and executed the way for you and I to have fellowship with him today. He's already set it up, folks. Let me tell you what, if you go through this week and you haven't met with God or you haven't had the Lord speak to your heart and challenge you, and, and if the preaching of the word of God has been done, then there's a problem with the heart, not with God. He's already mapped all this out. Today, today he's simply waiting for you and me to step in with a commitment and an obligation to serve him and to say, Lord, what would you have me do? Lord, what do you want to do in my life? And if you truly desire to have fellowship with God, which you've already affirmed that you have with the raising of hands, then you're going to need to make an on-purpose decision to follow him and to meet with him. But unfortunately, many, many have their reasons, don't they? why they don't want to have fellowship with the Lord, or why they don't want to make the hard decisions. And let me tell you what, the reasons are never any good. The reasons are never any good of why I can't do what God wants me to do. Well, I know that the Lord wants me to take care of this in my life, but I'm just telling you what, preacher, this is too difficult. Listen, there's no, there's no good excuse of why we can't make those decisions for him. But I want you to notice something pretty spectacular in our text this morning. Look in verse 9. This is amazing. Then went up Moses... And Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel, and they saw the God of Israel, and there was under his feet, as it were, a paved work of sapphire stone, and as it were, the body of heaven in his clearness. 
Verse 11 says, And upon the nobles of the children of Israel, he laid not his hand. Also they saw God and did eat and drink. So after, after their decision to follow the Lord, he calls the representatives up to the Lord where he has sweet fellowship with them. And notice what verse 11 says again. It says, that Upon the nobles, nobles of the children of Israel, notice what he said, He laid not his hand. He, he calls them up. And he lays not his hand upon them, and they also, also they saw God, and it goes on there, it says, and did eat and drink. Now, he laid not his hand, meaning God, in all of his glory, did not strike the leaders dead, but rather, listen, rather chose to have fellowship with them. Listen, he, he could have struck them dead, he should have struck them dead. But he didn't. You know, even after all the murmurings, the crossing of the Red Sea and murmuring, we have no food, we have no water, and all their murmurings, after all that they've done, I'm just telling you what, he should have killed them all. But he didn't. Instead, and what does he do? What does our Heavenly Father do? Instead, he invites them to fellowship with him to eat and to drink. Man alive, why is this significant? Well, because the Lord, here's why it's significant, because the Lord knew all about these people here, He knew all about their history. He knew all about their shortcomings. He knows all about their sins. He knows all about people like you and people like me. He knows all about us. And the amazing part is, listen, he still desires fellowship from us. You know, you know, you've been you've been praying for revival this last month or whatever. You know who wants it worse? The Lord does. He's He's, one, he's invited you to services today. He's extended a call for you to come this week to hear the preaching of the word of his word. Why would he do something like that? Because he desires fellowship from you. That's what he wants. Well, we're praying for revival. We're praying for the Lord to do something. I'm praying that God would speak to our hearts. We praise the Lord, but he wants it even more than you do. He's, he, he's yearning for that. Well... God desires to have fellowship with us in spite of our failures. If we'll simply come in a manner that he prescribes. He says, listen, I want it. I want it. I've invited you here, but here's what you're going to have to do. Here's what you're going to have to do if you want my good hand upon you. And, and so, in case you feel, but, in, but in case you feel like the Lord doesn't care for you, maybe, maybe you're here and you don't think the Lord really desires that fellowship from you because of something that you've done. Anywhere here besides me have a past. You know, and I appreciate Brother Marshall's. You know, in his testimony and his willingness to share that, I'm just telling you what God has done great and mighty things in the lives of people with a past, hasn't he? He certainly has done that. And I want you to notice uh, the type of men and women that the Lord's willing to have fellowship with. Very quickly here, I want to look at three different groups of people represented here. First, we find Moses, a man with a messed up past. We find Moses, a man with a messed up past. When we're all very familiar with the story of Moses and how he killed the Egyptian in chapter 2. Remember that story? I won't go in there for sake of time, but the Bible says Moses, you know, even though he killed that man, he was the meekest man on the face of the earth. And he even made it into the halls of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. But no one can deny the fact that Moses had a messed up past. You ever hear about the anger of Moses? I'm just telling you what, I preached through the book of Exodus a while back, a man spent some time on Moses' anger. Uh, and something I can relate to. And, and man, this guy had some serious anger issues. And not only a murderer, but a man prone to anger. And what, just what great hope and encouragement it gives people today to know and understand that God is not so concerned about your past as He is about your future. Man, alive. You know, the girls from the, from the home, 
man, what a great future you have in the Lord if you're willing to put him first. I mean, just, there's no telling what God is willing to do in all of our lives. All of our lives, if we're just, he's not so concerned about our past as, as what's going to happen in the future. I think of the Apostle Paul, who before he was gloriously saved, went uh, by the name of Saul, whose main job it was, remember, to persecute and murder Christians. The Lord didn't say, well, I, I, I'm sorry, Saul, your past is too sordid, your past is too messed up, I can't save you. I don't want to have fellowship with the likes of you. That's not what he said. No, the Lord approached Saul in his mercy and his grace and gloriously approached him and he saved him and was willing to have fellowship with him just like he's willing to have fellowship with you and me today. Moses was certainly a believer in the Lord. Even with a messed up past, the Lord, even with his sordid past, the Lord says, sit here, I want to have fellowship with you. That's what it says there. A second group of people we find here represented is, uh, is represented by Aaron. And in Aaron, we find people who have a messed up present. A people who have a messed up present. Even with all they've gone through in our text, Aaron's heart still wasn't where it needed to be because in just a few days, he's going to be fabricating and offering up a golden calf for all of Israel to worship. That's what he's getting ready to do. Uh, jump over to chapter 32, just very quickly. Chapter 32 and verse 2. And Aaron said unto them, Break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives, of, of your sons and of your daughters, and bring them unto me. Verse 3. And all the people break off the golden earrings which were in their ears and brought them to Aaron, unto Aaron. And he received them at their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool after he had made it a molten calf. And they said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And then remember what he says later on? He says, Yeah, I threw it in the fire and a calf jumped out. You know, he's like, that's, I don't think that's exactly what happened, Aaron. And I think there's a little tongue in cheek there. I think he was a little bit angry with Moses, you know, because I think Aaron. It felt like his life was in danger with all these people. That's a whole other story. But I'm just telling you what he shouldn't have done. What he he shouldn't have done what he did. But I look at Aaron's life, and it gives me hope that as a child of God, while still struggling over certain areas of our life today, because some are probably struggling with some things in life. Well, probably. Are you kidding me? We're human beings. We have that sinful nature. Every single one of us are struggling with things today. There's not one. Of, not not. There's not one of us in this auditorium like. I've got it all figured out. I'm perfect. You know, I'm awesome. I had a lady one time tell me in Florida that she doesn't sin anymore. I said, uh, she said, you know, Pastor, I just don't sin anymore. You know, I'm at a certain age. I'm like, woman, you need to hit the altar today and beg God forgiveness for your pride. I mean, we're, we're all sinners and we all have difficulties. And I look at this man named Aaron and it gives me encourage, encouragement. God is still willing, even wanting to have fellowship with us, even when we're struggling with things today. Listen, Christian, don't give up in the fight. Don't give up and say, man alive, I, I just can't do it anymore. Even if you're currently struggling with a messed up present, sure, the Lord's not wanting you to remain in your current state. He doesn't want you to stay there if that state is contrary to his word. But listen, don't believe the lie of the devil that God's finished with you. There's some people like, I'm, I'm done. I just can't do it anymore. I, I just, I don't know what's, I, I, I'm done. I, what's the use? I'm not going to do it. Listen, don't believe the lie of the devil because just because you're currently not where you need to be in your walk with the Lord. God's not finished with you yet, even if you think you're finished with yourself. And then lastly, we see a group of people represented by Nadab and Abihu. And these are people who have a messed up future. These, God's willing to have people, fellowship with, with men with a messed up future. And this is for those people who think, well, what's the hope? I mean, you know, I've talked to people and I've counseled with them pastoring for 
25 years now, and, 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 and what's the hope? I'm, I'm going to mess up anyway, or what's the use in trying to do right? I'm just going to ruin everything sooner or later. Brother Marshall, you probably talked to people like that and, and over the years and, and counseling with folks, and they're like, I don't even want to try because I just know in six weeks from now, I'm, I'm going to mess up, or a year from now, I'm just going to mess up again. I don't even know why I want to try. Believe it or not, there are people in the world with that negative attitude and, and see no hope for even trying to have a right relationship with God. But the Holy Spirit shows us that God was willing to have fellowship with two guys that he knew were going to disobey him. Hold your spot here and turn to Leviticus. Hold your spot and turn to Leviticus chapter 10. It's a familiar story, and we're actually going to get into this later on in a week. Leviticus chapter 10. So I won't go into much detail with it this morning. But Leviticus chapter 10, and look at verse 1. Leviticus chapter 10 and verse 1, And Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took either of them his censer and put fire therein and put incense thereon and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he commanded them not. And there went out fire from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. Then Moses said unto Aaron, This is that. Uh, the Lord spake, saying, I will be sanctified in them that come nigh me, and before all the people I will be glorified. And Aaron held his peace. And so what was their sin? Well, they offered strange fire. They offered unauthorized fire before the Lord. You might say, what's that all about? Well, we're going to look at that, I don't know, Tuesday, Wednesday, somewhere around in there. But it's, it's, it's a big deal with the Lord. It was a, it was a very big deal. And, and so based upon Scripture, it means that they took fiery coals from some fire burning nearby, some convenient fire. And, and, and this was wrong, for God had insisted in Leviticus chapter 16 and verse 12 that the fiery coals from the altar of the burnt offering, not from any other source. And like I said, we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about that a little bit later on. But the point is, is God knew they were going to sin against him in a horrible way, and he's going to strike them dead. I mean, would you invest any time in, in, in someone who you knew was going to completely fall off the wagon and, and do nothing, you know, in, in two months' time from now? Let me be honest with it, or be honest with me. If you knew someone was going to fall completely off the wagon and, and completely ruin their life and, and even die from it two months from now, would you invest a lot of time in them? I'm just saying God did. God did. He said, listen, I'm willing to have fellowship with you. I'm, I'm wanting you to come and sit and eat and drink. And, and, and I want to have fellowship. And so God knew that they were going to sin in a horrible way. Yet here he is offering a table of fellowship with them on the mount. I'm just saying he's a God of grace. He's such a God of grace. And then you throw the 70 elders of Israel in there who, who seem to be uh, driven by the direction of the current wind, whichever way the wind is blowing, and you pretty much have all of mankind represented before the Lord here. People with a messed up past, and people with a messed up present, and people with a messed up future. And so here, here it is. Knowing all of this, knowing all of this, God looks down on them and decides not to kill them. And alive. he looks at these people, and here they come up from the mount. He sees Moses, he sees Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, the 70 elders of Israel, and he laid not his hand upon them. He said, nope, I'm not going to destroy them. What I'm looking for, what I'm looking for with the, folks, with the folks here at this church, at Riverside Baptist Church, what I'm looking for is fellowship. What I'm looking for is to have a part in your life, is to meet with you and guide you and direct you. And allow me to change your life. That's what I'm looking, because I know, the Lord says, I know, as I look out on this congregation, and as I look at the man who's preaching from the pulpit as we speak, he says, I know that there's issues and struggles that you're dealing with. Some of you have a bad, messed up past. 
Some of you are telling you what you're dealing with things right now that you shouldn't have to be dealing with. And some of you are going to mess up down the road. And here's the thing God says, I love you and I want to have fellowship with you. But you're going to have to have, you have an obligation, God says, to follow my word as it's revealed in, in the scriptures. You have an obligation. You know, you can well, pastor didn't preach on that. So what if pastor didn't preach on that? You know, you're not going to get to heaven and be able to stay at the judgment seat of Christ. Well, my pastor never preached on that passage. You're responsible for it. You're responsible for it if it's never been preached for from, because you have the word of God and we're obligated to follow that. And so, knowing all of this, knowing all this, God looks down on them and decides not to kill them, which we all deserve. And in his grace, he decides to have fellowship with them. It's just amazing to me. I, I look at this passage of scripture and it's amazing that God desires to have fellowship with anyone. Because I'm just telling you what, we're all sinners saved by grace. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't need us, and we certainly don't deserve Him. I, we don't deserve anything that we've ever received from Him. But I'm so thankful that I have what I have. The fact that the Creator of the universe desires to have fellowship with sinful man like you and me is, is an amazing in of itself, but it's so true. And you can look at this and agree... I don't think anyone can deny that God is committed to have fellowship with sinful man. Man, life, you know, we've been looking for it, but the Lord has been looking forward to it more. God wants to, to meet with you today, and God wants to meet with you this week. And I'm just saying, there's certain things that are going on in your life, and there's things that are going on in my life that God wants to deal with. He's wanting to work on, and He's wanting to change us. He's wanting to leave this facility today and this week, he wants us, us to leave this facility different than when we came. And, and, and so, he has done everything on his part. I'm just telling you what, he, he's, he's already set it all up. And now, he's just waiting for us to make a decision to believe him and to serve him. He's waiting for us to be like, okay, because I know there's different types of Christians. I've been, we've been doing this for a long time. There's people like, okay, time's about up, let's go. You know, got to, and praise the Lord, I'd rather be here than at the Chiefs' uh, uh, a practice thing. What do you call that? Scrimmage? No, no, no. Chain, training camp. That's what it is. Because who likes the Cardinals anyway? Amen. The Cardinals aren't that good. The Chiefs are the way to go. But I'm telling you what, you've, you've made the right choice to, to come to services. And, and, and you're going to make the right choice to come this week. And, and God wants to do something great in your life. So the point being, there's no excuse as to why we can't have a viable personal relationship with the creator of the universe. Because some are like, man alive, I just don't know. I just don't think it's possible. I just don't think... Listen, get that mentality out of your head. Get that thinking out of your mind because God's wanting to. He's desiring to have a, an intimate, personal relationship with you. But first, you have to trust Him as your Savior. First, you've got to be saved. I mean, we're going to talk about that this morning, the next hour. You've got to know Jesus Christ. There's only one way to get to heaven, and it's through Jesus Christ. You have to repent of your sins and ask Him to save you. <clears throat> if you're not saved... You're going to beat your head against the wall trying to have a viable relationship with the Father because you're not even one of His children. So if you're not saved, you need to get that taken care of first and foremost. And then secondly, as a Christian, let me, let's just, come on. It's time to lay aside any excuses as to why you and I can't have a, a commitment or an obligation to serve Him. I mean, there's no reason why everyone in this room, come on, we're, we're, we're big boys and girls, if, if I'm not serving the Lord like I should be serving the Lord, it's no one's fault but my own. I mean, come on, you can, we can blame anyone you want to, and, and you can say, well, it's this fault, it's their fault, it's that fault. Listen, it's, it's your fault. Let me just be honest with you. I love you all, but it's your fault because I know that it's my fault. 
when my heart is not where it needs to be and I'm not serving the Lord like I should, or I'm not, my Bible reading is not where it needs to be, or my prayer life, or I'm struggling, it's my fault. God has already paved the way. And he's like, come, I want, I want fellowship. Sit and eat and drink. Come, come into my presence. And I'm like, oh, I've got better things to do. You know, I've got a game on, or, or, or I, I've got sin in my life and I'm not reading. Listen, you'd have to agree with me, it's our fault, isn't it? It's no one else's fault. So whatever, whatever is hindering you from fellowship with Christ, it needs to be confessed and put away today. I mean, we, just, we need to go into this meeting being like, okay, all right, Lord, whatever you want to do in my heart, I'm willing to do. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a renewed sense of obligation to God's Word. I'm going to have a renew, renewed sense of commitment uh, uh, to what the Lord wants to do in my life. And some of you say, well, what do you think, what, what, what's the Lord dealing with you about? I'm just telling you, whatever is going through your mind about right now, that's probably what the Lord is dealing with you about, about ways that you can hone or change or make different to have a better relationship with you. And he's waiting for you as we speak to come and sit at his table. And life, there's no better place in the world than to be in the proper will of God. No better place at all. Well, my past is too messed up. Preacher, you just don't know. My past is too messed up. Well, whose past isn't messed up? I mean, who... You know, who doesn't have struggles with things gone on in the past? Some might be saying, well, I'm, I'm struggling right now. I, d- I don't think I can do it. I, I just don't know, man. There's, just, there's too many roadblocks. There's too many hindrances. Well, why not just trust the Lord for strength to get you through today? Why not just take day, day to day? You know, I don't even really pray for things that are going on tomorrow. I mean, I do pray for future events and things of that nature, but I need help today. Lord, help me today. Because tomorrow, you know, sufficient for the day is evil thereof. I, you know, I, I need help today. And so trust him, but, but preacher, but preacher, what if I mess up next week? You know, what if I make a commitment for the Lord? I'm going to read and pray, and I'm going to make this commitment, or I'm going to get this sin out of my life, but what if I mess up next week? Well, what if you don't? What if you don't mess up? But even if you do, the Lord's going to help and guide you to get back, to get back on track with him. He's going to extend another call, because he's such a God of grace and mercy. He's going to extend another call and say, come, I, I, I love you. I want to have fellowship with you. We need to deal with your sin, but, but I want you to come have fellowship. So, how about this? Let's stop committing to be uncommitted. Amen? Let's stop, let's put away any, any, any hindrances that the Lord wants to do in and through us this week. Let's just be willing to say, Lord, I, I, I'm willing to, to give my life to you. I'm willing to come into this meeting with an open heart and an open mind. Lord, whatever you want to do, maybe there's maybe young, there's some young people, the Lord's been dealing with you about full-time Christian service, but you're about half scared to death, say, I don't know, I don't think I want to do that, I don't want to be a missionary in Zimbabwe, you know, I don't want, I don't want to do something like that, or some are dealing with you about getting more involved in ministry, or some involved, or the Lord's dealing with some of you with this, or with that, whatever it might be, I'm just saying, how about today, how about this morning, before we get into this week, we just commit to being, we, we, we stop being committed to be uncommitted. And we commit ourselves to say, Lord, I'm going to be obligated. I understand this obligation and this deep desire that you have to have fellowship with me. And to the best of my ability, I'm going to serve you and listen to you and respond when you deal with my heart. Amen? Fair enough? Fair enough. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love for us. I just pray that you'd have your hand upon this week. And Lord, I thank you that you have a deep desire to have fellowship with every single one of us. Lord, it doesn't matter about our past or our present or our future. Lord, you want to deal with us, draw us closer to you, and have sweet fellowship like we've never had before. I'm thankful for your grace. I'm thankful for your mercy. 
And I just pray that you would continue to have your hand upon us today and the rest of this week in Jesus' name. Amen.